coming to you live from Puchica HQ. <laughs> oh my god, this is like the first. This is the first Puchica HQ anything. Anything. Anything recorded. So that we have a Puchica HQ, yeah. which is dope. It's exciting. I'm kind of nervous about it. <laughs> Low key, but it, it's. I'm excited that we have an actual autonomous space for us. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm no, literally yeah. like, uh, yeah. would you guys sure. I mean, it's it's a space. So it's, it's a space. Like, so it's a big, it's a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing okay. It's the new year. It's a new me. Ah. <laughs> another episode. Um, not another episode. Fuck. <laughs> 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 no, but um, I'm doing well. I'm doing a lot better now. I feel like the end of the year was like an interesting time yeah <laughs> not exactly the happiest time of year oh yeah and, and the end of the year is like so stressful I it feel. is it is so much more stressful especially if you have to deal with family that like, you're like not like <laughs> not compatible with yeah <laughs> so it, it's like oh hella family time great like, <laughs> I love it I love it <laughs> not that that happened <laughs> yeah it already happened so new year new Oof. year new goals for this year mm-hmm. i feel like i've been telling a lot of people this but i feel like there's there's someone who said that some years ask questions and some years bring answers and i'm hoping that 2019 is like the answers mm-hmm. i'm already getting some answers and i'm expecting some more answers in the next few months mm-hmm. so i am looking forward into good energy bring like being brought my way yeah because 2018 was a lot of like things put out there and now it's like let's see what happens <laughs> that's so true for me i mean i like started on a very like like dang like this is a really real new year like, yeah. <laughs> like fuck. uh so i have like an actual new year's like new new completely different situation so i'm excited that there is something happening i'm also kind of like dang like am i ready (laughs) on the real like am i ready and it's kind of scary to think about it but it's sorry so well so i moved out of my house like literally in the span of two weeks i made like this like wild snap decision (laughs) to move into this specific it's the apartment that like called to me Mm -hmm. and i felt like like it was just like an opportunity i couldn't ignore I, I, I'm living with my family and I mean obviously like that's a, a lot more affordable I just was kind of getting to a point where I felt like I'm just taking too much from my family I'm not contributing enough I don't feel like I will contribute a lot because I just have a lot of things that I want to do outside of the house outside of work yeah. so it's just like I'm already taking too much of your like resources and all that shit without it either coming back to you or I don't know like it being like equitable so it's like I'd rather just be out of your hair and as a financial strain and as like a body in your house yeah. than, and be close by. I'm very close to my parents' house, like very close. So I'm excited. If people like follow us, they're gonna they probably know that the, the there is an apartment that we were like listing. <laughs> <laughs> it was my apartment <laughs> because I needed a roommate, but now I have a roommate, so yeah. I don't have to deal with like a financial like who's going who's gonna pay rent next month like. <laughs> so I have a roommate, and they seem really good. So I'm excited uh, to just start the year and like get shit running and. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure my roommate is feeling the same way. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now uh, in terms of this show. I'm really excited because we're going to start this week with some... Dude, just like a, a hit. Like, <laughs> a hit. A s- strong take. Well, not a take, but just, just strong content. You yeah. Know? This, this week's episode is an episode that I'm like super, super proud of. And I'm super thankful for the opportunity to talk to this person. It's another episode where we do an interview, continuing on in our interview project, where we're trying to feature Central Americans that don't necessarily get a lot of coverage or that aren't necessarily represented. And so going on with this, we were able to talk to Pamela Chavez. I was able to talk to her, actually. Yeah, I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Funny story. I thought Pam lived in the, the Bay Area. For the longest turns out they don't <laughs> i feel like they had it in their bio or something but something bay area related yeah um, it was just in my head they live in like the socal area i'm not gonna put them on blast of like they live here not like they're so i was just like we should have done this in person that's my only regret about yeah. the movie. i'm like yeah, it would have been better it, in person but i mean things happen it's a good vibe and yeah. i'm very very excited for this if y'all want to know more about Pamela we're about to tell you a bit so the reason we reached out to Pamela is because they wrote and directed this amazing short film called Caracol Cruzando and Caracol Cruzando is an animated short film about a young Costa Rican girl named Anais Anais has to make a really hard decision about sneaking her best friend and pet turtle across the US Miami border and doesn't know if they should be left behind or like is this too risky like also you know they're a really young child so it's like they don't even think about like i guess the potential of like immigration you know like immigration is is very not in her head because like why why are they gonna think about immigration (laughs) you know like getting a visa she's a child and it was it was a great film and it was so great because it is a really great short film i recommend y'all watch it if you haven't already it received a new media grant from the latino public broadcasting and it premiered online at the pbs online film festival so you know some 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 good shit you know like you know some pretty some quality shit coming your yeah. way you know shout out to pamela for having said something so amazing and having work that is yeah this deserves the recognition that it's been getting yeah yeah i'm sure y'all will probably hear a lot more about the film because it's entering its short film cycle Um, yeah so it was featured on the first night of the central american film fest which was in november 2018 at ucla and so it was featured the first night it opened up the the whole festival weekend and talking to pam about it was a really amazing experience i told sandra immediately afterwards i was just like i just had the greatest conversation like ever, ever. Yeah, i know <laughs> and we were really sad because we both couldn't go to the, the film festival yeah. this year so so it's good to have that that perspective yeah. <laughs> it, it, it fills a few like holes not holes but like we just didn't go so like we yeah. don't even know yeah. it's dope no, it's yeah, dope. it's super dope. I love talking to Pamela. So a bit more about Pamela outside of Caracol Cruzando. Pamela is a queer woman of color who is an is- illustrator and animator, and she's influenced by a lot of contemporary issues facing a lot of like Latinx communities, especially Costa Rica. So as Sandra mentioned, a lot of the Caracol Cruzando is about immigration, but there's various other topics addressed, such as environmentalism, tourism, 
assimilation and just angst that comes with migration and just layers of a child going through this versus an adult going through this there's a lot to look out for in this film and pan also does a lot of other films from her time when she was pursuing her bachelor's of fine arts at the rhode island school of design so she does a lot of little like claymation and other mediums and a lot of them address queer issues latinidad and just like a lot of people who were influencing pamela during this pursuit of her bachelor's and so it was really interesting to talk to Pam about all her work that led up to Caracol and what Caracol means now and what it can mean in the future and other prospects. We also had a lot of fun just talking about animation and the, the blending of styles. So you're going to be in for a cute conversation about Shrek. <laughs> Mama size. It's beautiful. <laughs> But there's a lot of good stuff to look out for. And huge shout out to Pamela. If y'all want to hit her up, her email is chavispamelam at gmail for professional inquiries. Thank <laughs> professional. I, you got to put that plug in just because like, she is worthy of this. Of this professional yeah. content. Being yeah. So you can also find her on Instagram. Her handle is pmlchavez with a Z. And um, you can go ahead and check out a lot of cute pics and just stuff that she's up to. So huge shout out. Y'all are in for a good one. And I'm super, super excited to put this out here. We're going to start the year off right. <laughs> Hi, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Puchica Voz. Uh, it's Sam here, and I have a very special guest for this episode. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? I sure do. Um, hi, I'm Pamela Chavez, and I'm really excited about being here. I'm an animator and an illustrator. Yeah, a huge thank you to Pamela for being here with us today. How's your week going, Pamela? You know, is there anything good going for you? Anything bad? It's been a mixed week. It's been good. You know, I'm getting ready to start thinking about the... Um, we just got into the Children's Festival in Seattle for Caracol Ooh. Cruzando. So we're thinking about, you know, what, what it's going to be like to be in Children's Festival. So I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm also, you know, in the in the midst of the film festival rejection slash acceptance mm. stage. And so, you know, working through those feelings and being really honest with myself about what comes up when when, you know, I get like rejected or accepted. And um, yeah. and that's a whole different part of like my personal journey that I'm like discovering. So it's been interesting. So, I, yeah, we could get into it at some point. <laughs> but yeah. It's been a good week. Nice. I'm very happy to hear that. Uh, my week has also been really good. Uh, the The last week prior to this one was kind of intense, but this one was more of like the mellow version. Oh, cool. And so it's like getting back into things and I, I feel good. So I'm happy I'm ending the year off better. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Sometimes we get those kind of years, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been one of those. Yeah. <laughs> What song did you bring for us? <laughs> um, let me see. It was Palmar by mm-hmm. Caloncho. I actually discovered that song just through listening on Spotify, just the random people that come up, you know, when you're yeah. just listening to the radio. And I love the vibes. Um, it's a young Mexicano who mm-hmm. has got very beachy vibe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like it. It's very chill. It just kind of puts me in in the right mood during the day so i hope it 
does that for everyone when they hear it. No, yeah, I definitely feel that. It's kind of like you're when you're driving along PCH and it's like a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I thought of. I was just like, wow, this is this is literally the summer anthem. I mean, it's December y todo, pero <laughs> I still feel like, wow, you know, I can go out to the beach perks of California. <laughs> That's why I live in LA. You know, I just moved here. And oh, shout and out. I, yeah. I was under the impression that you were in the Bay Area. This no, time. no. I, I just wow. moved to Glendale. I was in Long Beach wow. for a year, which was dope and long i'm in beach glendale now um which is cool too it's different a different vibe for sure not the long beach yeah. vibe but but yeah i'm down in socal now yep okay cool wow now i'm kind of like wow we should have done this in person oh <laughs> <laughs> that was- yes awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out to the listeners <laughs> getting our, our plans also <laughs> Yeah, so um, we're going to go right into it. So, um, Pamela, as you said, you do art, animation, film. Mm-hmm. So I was checking out your page. Because can you talk a bit about, like, your, your background in film and whatnot? Mm-hmm. You know, did you mm-hmm. go to school for it? Was it just passion? Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Um, I did go to school for illustration at the Rhode Island School of Design, which is mm-hmm. a really great, difficult but um, great school in terms of learning and, and what I got out of it. Um, most of my animation, actually all of my, I won't even say most, all of my animation comes from <laughs> uh, my time there and, you know, different assignments that we had. Since mm-hmm. then, you know, um, I've been working on Caracol, which took up, literally I graduated and then um, I submitted the the grant to that film like a week after I graduated so it's what wow. I've been um, working on for the most part but yeah I started animation at school I st- and and I actually went for illustration which mm-hmm. um, is why I graduated with a illustration degree or a degree in illustration thinking I was going to do graphic novels mm. um, and I was super inspired by not only the animation department but also this film that I had seen recently at that time called Persepolis. I don't know if you've mm. ever seen it. I've, I think I've heard of it. And it was a graphic novel and it was turned into a feature. And um, it's like a, about a French Iranian or Iranian French yes. girl. Yeah. Iranian revolution also. So mm-hmm. wow, that's mm-hmm. now that I'm just like unpacking, I'm like French Iran. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I really recommend that. Um, it okay. super inspired me. And then when I was at RISD, I just really loved moving my characters. I really loved stop motion a lot um, because you get to be in like this little room and create characters, like physically create characters out of, you know, whatever you want to. And and then, you know, I got into hand-drawn animation, which is that more traditional sense of animation that we're all Mm. familiar with. But yeah, I started as an illustrator. So before that, um, before going to school, I, I just, you know, I just drew all the time. I drew ever since I could remember, since I was a little girl. 
when we were like immigrating um i remember being in the car and drawing just all the time that's what we did so yeah that's that was my start and then i went to santa cruz and studied american studies and worked as a youth um advocate and youth development worker after santa cruz and but still did art on the side and i just wanted to put all of my you know heart into my art and what really sort of inspired me in 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 that world and so um i decided to go back to school and just take it super seriously for myself and um here here i am so i think what i like hearing you talk about your your art and the way that you do it is that you know like you said this is something get the nacio you know like mm-hmm. that it was always in you you know you were uh-huh. always drawing and then you you weren't doing it for a while you know you went with the youth route mm-hmm. and the education advocate route and then you went back to it so i'm very yeah. curious you know like what did it look like going back to school to do you know art and animation and you know like what what was the difference between you know the the pressure that you would put on yourself when you're creating as a freelancer you know like of like this is my interest versus like these are the deadlines i have for class now you know what did the deadline pressure do to your creativeness or your creativity mm. at the time um that's such a good question um <laughs> thank because... you <laughs> good job thank you um very thoughtful it's so interesting because my first reaction is to be like sort of uh it was very hard for me it was it was it was i was very resistant i had a hard time with the deadlines and rizzi is a really difficult school because they expect a lot and they expect it within 24 hours you know and and they want you to turn around a drawing really quickly and it's part of why i went it's one of the top and um and i knew it was going to push me i just didn't know what that was going to look like and i was resistant i wasn't feeling it i was like you don't have to teach like this (laughs) like it doesn't have to feel this way which is partially true you know some some of the things were really difficult like um, there's a lot of comparison um, that instructors do um, between your work and other people's work. And and that, that was really hard for me because I didn't really want to look at art that way. I didn't want to compare myself to other people. And because I had this like really solid grounding before I went to school, um, while I was in school, I was super resistant and struggled a lot, um, especially when I was in class around students who had been taking art classes since they were like toddlers and that was my first art class (laughs) um i i feel like during that time i was resistant but then now i feel like it really helped me get over my insecurities in a way because i didn't have time to like sit in it I didn't, I used to have a really hard time executing things and finishing projects before I went to RISD. And after that, like to me, the the quicker I could get through an idea and get past any sort of like insecurities that I have about whatever I'm working on, um, the more I can become free and creative to create what I really want to make. And one of the other major lessons that I learned was to be okay with, in a sense, like editing and letting go of things that maybe I worked on something for, you know, a month, 
Um, but letting go of it and looking at it from different angles, like asking other people for feedback, asking people to help you communicate whatever your message is. And then if it doesn't work to help or to, to let it go. And I think that's a part of being an artist that I have really grown in um, because it doesn't it allows for me to, to not be stuck all the time. Um, I think there's, you know, I'm speaking sort of like vaguely, but there's specific moments maybe in Caracol when I was creating that where, you know, there were parts where we needed to just cut and I had to be okay with it. But I also had to to know when to stand my ground, you know, and I think that I learned that because we were going through many, so many cycles of assignments that um, you sort of just learn to be okay with the feedback and to not take it personally. And I think that really helped me a lot. I think it, it was what I really struggled struggled with at the time when I went into school. And um, so I'm taking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still get, gathering lessons from that time and looking back and knowing that it was difficult to be in Providence, Rhode Island for three years alone for the most part around younger students as an older student just all the difficulties around that and being one of the only latinas period in in the entire school um was really hard but but those lessons that i got were so important for me personally as an artist no yeah the way i see it it's like you you planted a tree and mm. so now you're you're, you're harvesting Mm-hmm. And so it's like these are the little like fruits, the, the lessons that I'm getting at the moment from all that work that I put in all yeah, that time. Yeah, that's such a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, no, but I was gonna say you you mentioned it already. You know, you moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Huge jump going from well California to Rhode Island, smallest state in the country. Mm-hmm. So that that's already a huge jump. Jumping across the coast is another huge jump, being one of the mm-hmm. only Latinas in the whole school. Mm-hmm. Huge jump, I'm sure, from California also. So I'm curious, how much of these parts of your identity did you put into your work? You know, like to like kind of, you know, affirm your identity or make you feel good about the kind of content you were putting out there that, you know, maybe not anyone else could put out there because you were, you know, different. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all of pretty much all of it. I can't really remember yeah. a time that I didn't. Um, it's where I, <laughs> it's where I come from. It's my artistic voice. I'm. I can only mm. really speak to, not just. I, mean, I can only really speak to the experiences that I've had, but also yeah. like, the communities that I've been in. So I can't. I. I don't. Per, I personally don't feel comfortable speaking on communities I'm not a part of. Yeah. Um, so. Um, or at least connected to, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think there's room for creativity, but yeah, it was definitely, it's my identity is definitely always a part in some way in what I do. And that may change or evolve into something else, but for now, that's what centers me and sort of grounds me in my work. Um, there's a film that really stood out to me, one of your shorter films. Mm-hmm. It's a silent one where this young girl is or young woman is trying to well i don't know actually age can be interpreted loosely but they're trying to come out to their mom Mm -hmm. and they they imagine telling the mom that they're queer Mm -hmm. and it's really intense because like as a queer person i saw this and i was like oh i know i know what conversation they're trying to have Mm -hmm. immediately but like for some folks it might take a minute Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. point is the the girl imagines coming out to her mom and being reproached 
and she's able to overcome that fear and still tell the mom. How do you incorporate or how often do these themes of like coming out or living authentically, bravery or, you know, heartbreak or loss of family sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. these themes we heavily associate with queer identity, how do they translate into your work? I think it's it's just a part of what I like to sort of give light to in my work. I, I, I like the complexity of these experiences that we have as queer people, queer communities, and also uh, mixed identity communities. And I think that in creating something, to me, aesthetically beautiful and also story-wise in a way beautiful, I feel like it's it's taking that the that that struggle and sort of flipping it and saying yeah. you know there's there's something beyond the struggle there is a life that we have and we have that we've lived in parallel to that struggle that mm. has also given us like the fruit like that tree to survive in a way that um is really beautiful and I think that has been sort of central to my work so far <laughs> um it's been a part of I think most of the the films that I have done, it's important to me because it's also my own healing, you know? And as I continue forward as a filmmaker and animator, again, that might change and and I'm open to things looking differently. But um, to me, that huge lesson was what helped me survive. And so I'm sharing that part of myself, you know, and... Um, and we're and doing youth work too, and seeing other young people sort of going through it actively, you know, uh, being able to provide some sort of like tool for me is really inspiring. So to say, you know, this is to share um, your story with somebody is super powerful, and I know that um, people do that quite often, and I've heard a lot of people's stories that, that may parallel mine or have uh, intersections with mine. Um, but to me, as an artist, to be able to to share it visually is also a tool that I, I want to sort of share with the world. So um, when, you know, a person does come out to parent, the parent goes to, I believe it was like an altar of sorts mm-hmm. or, to like pray a little, you know, like pray the gay away, essentially, mm-hmm. or to like further, you know, go back to the religious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. structure that mm-hmm. tells them, you know, this is we have told you what is okay and what is not okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i think that that scene was very it was hella emotional honestly (laughs) because it was just like yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. no but i think it's very powerful and i think it's beautiful because it's just like during this whole time by the way for our listeners because i can't show you all the video but there there's not been a word spoken and so to see this like vehement reaction to like whatever the person has said and the first thing they do is go to a religious symbol yeah i thought it was you know that's where it clicks immediately for a lot of people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for some it takes like a bit more it's just like wait wait, what's going on but like if if you know you know like (laughs) for (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's real yep Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like a lot of like queer bees queer babies out there who might be like coming out have been in a very similar moment or hopefully haven't because you know it seems like it was a really intense moment and so i think about after that scene also how um the the wolf comes out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and this is where finally like talking happens 
but it's the the writings of Ansaldúa are taken to affirm the girl. And so I I'm curious about that, you know, like where did the the translation? I mean, obviously the the film is meant to like affirm you, but um where did that come in through, you know, like what inspired the ideas of like the writings of Ansaldúa? Were you really into the writings at the time or you know, like what what shaped that? Well, thanks for that breakdown. And, I, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't show you all this video. Future film critic. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's totally in in alignment with what I was intending to to communicate. So yeah, and and just to go back a tiny bit, the uh, one of my first challenges that I wanted to place for myself, which is part of like the art artist uh voice is i wanted to share a coming out scene that didn't have the words i didn't want it i didn't want it to be spoken because there's so much that we say as queer people that isn't verbally said that i wanted to explore that right i wanted to explore the unspoken the and so that was part of my challenge and and i remember telling my professor and she was like what <laughs> like what are you talking about <laughs> i was like just trust me just trust me and then halfway through i was like what <laughs> what am i doing <laughs> but um it was challenging for sure but yeah the the writings of ansaldua the writings of shuri moraga for me uh feminist queer feminist scholars were the groundwork the 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 stone path with filled with like you know all of nature on the path <laughs> um that uh is the foundation to my thinking and and I I got that from UC Santa Cruz and at my in my time there and while coming out to myself and coming out to my family it's what it kept me together, you know, these writings, the plays, the artwork of queer feminists of color were so important to my like formative years and just like my coming of age and 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 filmmakers, uh queer filmmakers of color that were also doing the same in in the sense of um combining feminist theory and thought in in visual media and for me it was like, okay, how do I do this in animation? like how do i combine these these worlds in this in this sort of like new way that is that that really hasn't been ton, done too much before you know and that was sort of exciting for me to explore that so you know taking bringing in koyoshaki for me was a dream come true like that moment of being able to create that in stop motion Phew, man, that was awesome for me, you know, and I remember the moment and the day that I did that and and what was happening at school and and um there was like this huge blizzard and it was Thanksgiving of and like everybody was like home with their families and I was animating in a dark blacked out studio basement um by myself and I was, you know, creating this background for this this moment and in that moment i was so happy you know i was i was like thrilled that i was at that point in the film and so again the 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 lessons and writings and lives and teachings of these feminist scholars and um were were showing themselves and in, in manifesting themselves in in my present reality so 
I was mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it honestly because mm-hmm. I've seen Caracol Cruzando and mm-hmm. very different from that one. Uh-huh, but then uh-huh. like going into the the rabbit hole, I was like, oh wow, <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was all really well done, and now like making that transition to Caracol Cruzando, I also want to ask you know what happened after you left Rhode Island. No, what did you do? <laughs> I slept well, a I mean, lot. You started working on this Caracol Cruzando. Yeah, I hope. I slept. I got some sun. Yeah. Um. Well, I was. Con- I started writing Caracol my what was that? junior year, I think. Yeah. Um. While at school, and I continued to write it after I I graduated it, but I was for the most part done with that that first version of it. Um, and then I submitted it to Latino Public Broadcasting, like I said, like a week mm. after I graduated. And yeah. and then I didn't hear back from them, I think, until November. So that was like June or May or something. Yeah. May. It was May. And um, so I didn't hear back to them till almost the end of the year. But and, you know, I, I started basically trying to figure out what my art career was going to look like. And I know and I knew and still sort of feel this way. That I didn't want to compromise my story or my message and I didn't want to lose that ability as like uh, an animator to create what I felt like I wanted to create and what I felt like was missing in the world of animation. So I, I didn't want to just hop into working like at a studio or so I, I, I just kind of continued to do some youth work. I did that for a while just um, to sort of sustain myself. And, but I still continued to to edit Caracol and work on Caracol and look for ways to fund it because um, I knew that's what I wanted to do next. So um, yeah, I was I was doing sort of both hustling, hustling <laughs> different jobs. I, I still am hustling, but I'm hustling more on the freelance end than I am like <clears throat> doing youth development work anymore. Yeah at this point but yeah that that's what i did after i graduated how did you come up with caracol cruzando you know like can you talk about it a bit so mm-hmm. that folks at home know what it's about yeah. it's like this caracol is cruzando where's it going <laughs> you guys keep referencing it but <laughs> yeah uh all right so caracol is a, about a little girl who is immigrating from costa rica to the united states and she has to decide if she's going to take her best friend diku who's a little turtle um, with her or not and the story is sort of parallels my own immigration a tiny bit it started that way um, but I really wanted to take it to a more fantastical level um, and I didn't so it was sort of the structure I used I immigrated from I was I, I was born in New Jersey um, and I was the only one in my family that had papers and we immigrated from New Jersey to like Miami to to California and then we drove down to Costa Rica which we were supposed wow. to stay we were supposed to stay there and like live there forever my parents were sort of immigrating back um mm-hmm. but things didn't go how they wanted to when when we were down there so um we immigrated back and that moment right there was the one i focused on for caracol so mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the movie she has to decide if she's going to bring her turtle and in in my life i had to decide if i was going to bring my dog um, but it wasn't really a decision I didn't get to, so because it's a dog. So I leave my dog behind, and I wanted to focus on that moment of like sort of innocence with Anais, who's the character in Caracol. Mm-hmm. 
because I felt like it was real and true to what I was experiencing as a, a, a little kid. You know, I was leaving Costa Rica, leaving my family, leaving my grandparents, leaving my cousins who I loved, uh, my aunties and uncles. Almost my entire family is there and I have a big family. I remember from that time, like what, what I personally remember is having to leave my dog. And I was so devastated, you know? And I think as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, like that's not (laughs) like that's as far as you get really in understanding what's happening. So I wanted to write that. But then again, I wanted to add some of that fantasy, which animation just totally allows you to do. Right. (laughs) So I started writing it when I was in school. I took like a script writing class. And then and then I just started working with Aurora Guerrero. Mm -hmm. Shout out. And who's the story editor of the of the film? And we started mm-hmm. editing the, the script. And man, we edited that script like so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and we came up with like pretty much like a close to 30 minute film, um, which ended up getting cut to a 15 minute film. Mm-hmm. So half of that was cut at the end. That's how yeah, that's how I made the, the film. Were you intentional in like who you wanted working on this project? You know, because uh, I was reading that you were, you know, writer, director, all these different parts of it. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, people that you invited onto the project, you know, were you intentional about like, I want these specific people in the room working with me? Yes, yes, definitely. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. definitely. I, I, knew the answer, but I was like. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a mixture of like intentionality with like availability slash um, like can can you afford to be on this project with me? (laughs) You know, because I can't like afford everybody and and everybody was super gracious. And but but definitely I wanted to make sure that the folks that I worked with had a certain like vibe and also i wanted to make sure that i supported and continued to focus on um artists of color who don't really get the opportunity to work on this much so whenever i came across like a a need for something like a background artist or another animator i made sure that i like prioritized looking for folks of color and queer folks or women of color and um and when i could like that's that's what we did i i really wanted to have coast a lot of costa rican folks in it we i just couldn't just because i would have had to fly to costa rica a lot more and i just couldn't afford that but we did have a background artist who was from costa rica which was so awesome Um, not only was she super talented maria jose esquivel but she also was awesome to work with because I'd be like, hey, can you like draw a mercadito? And she'd be like, I got you. And then she'd go and draw like this crazy mercado with like... <laughs> and the produce everywhere. Yeah, yeah. like all the right produce in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's in season. Yeah. Like winter fruits with summer. Yeah. And she'd have like a jersey stand with all the the jerseys from Costa Rica, <laughs> all the pivotal players, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's like part of that communication that um, is easier because that person is from that country and you can work with them in a way that's deeper, you know? And, like, yeah. it gets you super excited when you get the drawing back. And she, she totally gets it. And 
We also worked with a voice actor, Alejandro mm-hmm. Morales, who is from Costa Rica, and he is he's also in film here in the U.S. and he's the voice of the dad, um, mm-hmm. and that was really cool to work with him because he at one point so we you can't hear it very well in the beginning, but there's like a guy who's um, yelling out fruit and like selling fruit from his mm, truck. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so we were recording that session, and he was like, uh, and I, he wasn't really getting it, uh, like getting it like like how I wanted it. And um, and he's like, and he stops, and he's like, can I just copy my fruit the <laughs> my, the, my, <laughs> my the, the the frutero who who goes around my neighborhood in um, the area that like I grew up in in Costa Rica, and I was like yeah <laughs> do that Please, and yeah. so he did it and he did it in one take and we were dying nice. of laughter because he was so good and he sounded exactly like a frutero sound and you know it's it's like those experiences that are super dope and and uh fun and like you're like oh yeah okay we're capturing what we really want and you know my mom when she saw the film and my uncle when when he saw the film like they both were like that sounds exactly like the frutero <laughs> in our neighborhood <laughs> it's like they're always just doing the most and um they're just doing it in like such a like they're doing it every day so they're almost like zombies right doing the same frutero announcement every day trying to get you to buy their fruit and um but uh yeah it it, it was fun um, that kind of reminds me, you know, like once you get the the right accent or like the right uh, like dichos out there, people really vibe with it. Last year, I went to the Central American Film Festival and they did a screening of Meet the Soto by Michael Flores. Uh-huh. And they hired a lot of like people from El Salvador to just talk regular Salvadorian Spanish or Caliche. Uh-huh. And so all of the people in the audience are just like, this is an authentic film. You know, like, you got everything <laughs> right. I felt I was home. And I think that's what people really vibe with a lot of the time, especially when you have, like, folks from the diaspora who maybe haven't had the opportunity to go home in decades. It's literally like, these are, like, markers of where you grew up. And so it's just, I don't know, I think it's really astonishing when you have moments like that where mm-hmm. you're able to perfectly capture what you were going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's a rewarding feeling. I'm sure as, you know, the creator and as a viewer of just like, ah, yes, I like, I relate so much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I was, I remember when I was writing it, I was mm. excited, right? Oh, okay, <laughs> he's gonna say my, which is like the co- Costa Rican word for like everything, really. It's <laughs> it's like dude, yeah. um, right? My, yeah. And my, and Pura Vida is a little more known too. Um, so those two, anyways, so I, I remember writing those and being excited. And then, and then I sort of forgot because it's like this long process, right? Of when you're writing it and then making it. And then when I heard it, I was so excited and then yeah it's that it's that feeling of being connected you know of feeling like mm-hmm. oh you, you're hearing yourself represented which is so rare like i barely hear my dialect period you know just being costa rican in the u.s there's not very many of us um mm-hmm. there's more in new jersey but oh, um wow. yeah shout out to new jersey shouts out <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's so affirming. It feels awesome to to hear. So I I'm excited that we got. I feel like you also take your your animation a bit further from just the representation point, 
because mm. uh, a lot of the the themes tackled in Caracol Cruzando for all of y'all, we're gonna go all academic on this right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a PBS film, y'all. We gotta. <laughs> Hold on, let me put my glasses on. <laughs> let me let me get everything set up. Not that uh, um, a lot of the themes tackled are like quite obviously immigration is one of them. Yeah. Um, environmentalism is another one that's like hinted at. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. little like conversations and tidbits that point out to a changing environment Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. changing everything Mm -hmm. and also globalism and tourism all of those are tackled in this 15 minute um (laughs) film there's also (laughs) feelings of anxiety and angst due to assimilation Mm -hmm. and all these different like things that i've just put under immigration (laughs) (laughs) the the umbrella category (laughs) yeah but it's just like these are very important like themes and instances that we notice and that are very prevalent to a lot of like Central Americans. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very curious, you know, obviously there's a good amount of intentionality out there, but how did you navigate that? You know, why did you choose to like make the, the sorry, this is like spoilers, but like make the father character shave his face mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like the, the feelings of angst about it, you know, like he could have just shaved and been like, when I see us la cosa, we're going, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, there's a really valid fear and just mm-hmm. like fear of migration, fear of all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so how did you navigate the the very heavy themes in a very otherwise, you know, light and magical film? Um, that was definitely a part of the writing process. Mm-hmm. And I, again, give a huge shout out to Aurora Guerrero for helping with that part because she's so good at that. Like weaving the storytelling with this almost subtle reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or subtle hints of like what what is honest in terms of how we're depicting a topic, right? And so, mm-hmm. with it, you know, this is a kids' film, and and it's it's mostly for children to be able to begin understanding immigration. So I wanted to tackle that tenderly, and I wanted to tackle it honestly. So. Yeah. You know, it's a part of really thinking about how and what to include and what sort of platform you give it. So the environmentalism is Mm -hmm. very subtle, right? It's it's actually most people, I think, miss it. Yeah. You know, it's so quick to tell you that there was so much research done for that part is just like an understatement. <laughs> no, I can imagine. Like, there's a lot to unpack uh-huh. in this passing comment. <laughs> there was a trip to Costa Rica to a town called Puerto Viejo where Afro-Costarricenses were in the midst of organizing for their land rights at the time that I was thinking about creating this film that showed up in the film, you know, and, and the realities of Afro-Costarricenses and the discrimination they had faced for years and Costa Rica using tourism as a way to implore maritime law on Afro-Costa Rican communities. And that was sort of central to the way I depicted why the the family had to move because there was this resort being placed in in the background, right? That was pushing out the families. Again, it's super subtle, you could miss it, but if you're sort of aware of those things, you do see it. 
it for me it was important to ground it in a, a sense of reality like people move for a reason people immigrate for a reason people yeah. aren't leaving their families and everything they know behind because it's fun and i think it's important to to portray that and to give it some sort of time on screen and and so I, that's that's how i wanted to de- depict it i wanted to use that and in costa rica when this is filmed when this is screened there I look forward to the opportunity to talking about that because Ooh, it's yes. not something that is shared very widely. I remember showing parts of this to my family in Costa Rica before it was done. And they were they were so aghast that that had happened. You know, and yeah. I was like, "Come on guys, like wake up. This is happening <laughs> like, you know, four hour drive away. Um yeah. communities are being dismantled because we're using tourism tourism as a guise for our economy and i know that it's central to especially to costa rica and it's important but i think there's ethical ways of of looking at it and having community continue to be involved in spearheading their own economy right yeah. and um so yeah it was important for me to have that in terms of why people were immigrating and the feelings and the angst and the nervousness i knew that used that actually used to be a lot more prevalent in the script and i toned it down a bit just because i think we see that a lot like represented a lot in um films and i wanted to keep it a little more subtle just cuz um it's for kids and yeah. you know i didn't want the whole thing to be like hella scary <laughs> no, um yeah. cuz again like kids are all kids are scared but it's yeah. they're also having fun they're also yeah. super distracted they're also like creating like little imaginary worlds with their little pets like while like they're dealing with trauma right and this is sort of told through that perspective and i wanted to make sure that it was that it stayed in that perspective of of Anais of the the character the main character who yeah. who the story um is led by the true audience of this is you know kids yeah. but then like as an adult watching it there's a scene where like Anais has to make her main decision you know is she going to keep mm-hmm. her turtle or not mm-hmm. and on top of that there's the the heavy tension of like you are in an immigration office you know like you, mm-hmm. this, this is the setting mm-hmm. you know like and i work in immigration so i'm just like ah like that was me the whole time i was just like ah but a kid watching it would be like is that now he's gonna give up the turtle or not like that's the yeah. big moment for the kids oh yeah uh-huh. and so i thought that was genius because it was just like here I am stressing out about this family going to get caught up in some wild fucking shit like ah mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i'm just mm-hmm. like for me it was like easy to be like me how give up the turtle please <laughs> like, <laughs> but like as a kid give watching it up now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but as a kid watching it you'd yeah. be like no that's her friend right. and mm-hmm. it's like no that is true but like ah i don't know i thought it was a beautiful like depiction of like immigration being this like ugly octopus that has its arm and everything mm-hmm. and just like it was there but it wasn't the main focus but it was still like it's a fearsome beast yeah i just like shout out to you because you did not downplay that at all i know that you said mm-hmm. you edited parts of that out but i was mm-hmm. still like yo <laughs> that fear was real <laughs> yeah yeah it totally is and i i remember feeling that fear you know and mm-hmm. and feeling like what's gonna happen like are we gonna get caught um are we going am i going to be separated from my family um so yeah it is for sure a real 
trauma and it's also what's it called? The same sort of like desire for Anais to sort of just bring or not bring <laughs> I won't her turtle yeah. is um the same sort of battle that our parents have yes. when they're deciding are they gonna bring us yeah you know and will they risk losing us and and that same sort of like meta decision um we see it in this other light in young Anais which is part of the humanizing yeah. it's part of like you know we, we we've seen like adults we've seen people have their that people have their opinions about if that's right or wrong mm-hmm. right yeah. and we, we are very familiar with like that conversation as a society but how do you have that conversation with a kid yeah. you know and and how do you say something is right and wrong for, and and how do you look at situations that are more complicated right mm-hmm. by than than the simple explanation of what a law is and and using law as just a black and white thing yeah. I think that yeah, it's it's definitely complicated. So I'm glad that you were able to sort of see that in there, and I appreciate the. <laughs> no, yeah, I I told all my friends to watch it immediately. This is PBS, but I'm like y'all need to watch this. This is dope. <laughs> and ah, uh, cool. Huge shout out to you. Shout out to Caracol Cruzando. Y'all should definitely check it out. The link to it will be in the show notes for this episode. Now I want to talk to you a bit about the Central American Film Fest. Because, do, 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 you were featured in it. You actually were there the first day. So that's like a very big moment. It's like, here is the annual event. And tonight we're talking about Caracol Cruzando. <laughs> so shout out to you for both of those things. Because that's so big to be featured in Film Fest. And to be there on opening night is just like, whew. So yeah. how was that for you? How, were you in LA already? Oh, you were, right? man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was. I was really excited to show community, to be in community, to be with Centroamericanos. It was such an awesome experience for me because everybody laughed, everybody cried, everybody like when, you know, as like a filmmaker, when you're watching people watch your film, like you're you're also watching to see like their reactions and if they're getting like... You know, I'm like, oh, sitting there like anxiously thinking like, oh, do people get it? Do they understand that there's a resort right there? Do they (laughs) get the connection? Like, should I have held that scene for a little bit longer so that they could understand it more? Or, you know, like. Yeah, there's a lot going on while you're, while they're just chilling and watching this film. You're like, did I do it right? Did did everything get right? (laughs) For sure. And so I felt like with this screening it was like i could just chill (laughs) i could just chill and i could enjoy it with community and you know a lot of people talked to me afterwards and shared their immigration story with me that's so sweet you know and shared being young or being like i remember being a a kid and going through you know immigration or That was super special for me, and you know, it's one of those things that I won't ever forget. So, I, I really appreciate being in the film festival and for people being there and just and having the courage to talk to me too afterwards because <laughs> I know people get shy, yeah. yeah, especially if you're talking about something so vulnerable, right? Yeah. So, I shouts out to the crowd, shouts out to the Central American Film Festival. It, it was an amazing experience. Nice. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. work with the organizers at all? 
I do, yeah. yeah. I, I This year, I was sort of invited to help. Ooh. So I did some of the, the um, graphics for it, which was cool. I was not a part of the screening board, just <laughs> why I didn't. <laughs> you were like, have y'all heard about this really dope film? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was more actually like the opposite, where like we'd be in meetings and like people would be like, tell share people who you are share yeah. with people who you are i'd be like i'm an illustrator <laughs> an animator <laughs> just that. it'd be like no tell people what you made yeah. it'd be like okay cool but it was a cool opportunity because um like i said i just moved to la and just being around other centroamericanos was cool and um, patricia Ovando, who was the director this year was um, really encouraging in terms of trying to get a good vibe going with the film festival and um so I, you know, I'm appreciative of the space and of the of the time that people have put into creating that space, and um, I think we need more of it for sure. And yeah, this last year, mm-hmm. I, I went last year with Sandra. This year we couldn't go because we had mm-hmm. compromisos. My friend was going to South mm-hmm. Korea for a year, so I had to go say bye. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah that's a that's a big <laughs> vibe. <laughs> that's a huge <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely want to meet folks who are involved in the film fest and just go to it next year because last year was a lot of fun. Last year it was in Hollywood, so this year they switched it mm-hmm. to UCLA, which mm-hmm. threw some people off, but I think maybe benefited yeah. others also. Yeah, I think there was a an issue with the space, so we had to sort of like move really quickly, and mm. so. Yeah, but I think that, yeah, it totally (laughs) does. And I think that what it did was it created a vibe that was, to me, felt more accessible. I felt, I feel sometimes when I go to like Hollywood stuff, for me, I get a little shy Mm -hmm. and it's a little overwhelming, but it's also a matter of, of getting used to, to, to that sort of world and, and why people are there and stuff. So but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed myself. I had a really good time. Um, so yeah. I'm looking forward Shout to Shout out it. to Central American Film Fest. Shouts out. Mm-hmm. Who was the, the featured country this year? I think it was, wasn't it DR? Dominican yeah. Republic? Yeah. It was a DR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to that yeah. also. Shout out to the DR. Yeah. <laughs> oh, living in the East Coast, I'm sure you must have like gotten a lot more DR Caribbean pre. Yeah, pre- I did. Yeah, oh. that was cool. I didn't have like hella time to 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 <laughs> like, like, <laughs> hang. Yeah, hang out. But <laughs> but just being around a lot of Dominicanos and Puerto Ricans was dope. Okay, so now Shrek retold. <laughs> it's like a huge turn. It's just like we're we're, we're on the rightmost Yay. lane, and we're gonna make a U-turn on. To the other right <laughs> no but uh, uh shrek retold for folks who might not know is a collaborative effort which drew in over 200 animators recently recently meaning like a week ago uh well it was released a week ago i'm sure this project had been going on for a while and so it was more or less to celebrate 17 years of the first shrek coming out uh the organizers reached out to these artists and animators to work on specific scenes so it was like okay you're getting scene one scene two and scene three etc and people could animate it however they want they could use the real shrek thing and put like you know photoshop faces on them or they could create their own shrek their own donkey their own princess fiona whatever what have you and Mm -hmm. each version of the scenes held their own critique you know it was either like this super creepy shrek or, or like really funny shrek or just like really intense donkey or like way out there donkey each artist each animator each team was able to bring in their own feel to Mm -hmm. it 
And so I'm curious on your thoughts of like collaborative ventures like this one. Because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you worked with a team, but uh, uh-huh. you weren't like, okay, well, this is our scene and product. Yeah. Let's see how it looks in the bigger project. You know, it's, yeah, it's a very and, different yeah. thing. Yeah, you know what's cool about that is that you could see each artist's hand and like mm. their style, yeah. right? When you're doing, mostly when you're working on a film, you want everything to look the same. You don't want there to be inconsistencies because yeah. it kind of throws people off. Mm. And so part of the job is continuity. And like um, when we were working on Caracol, like I make sh- made sure that I, at the end of the day, I had to edit each drawing, even mm. if it was created by another artist, just to make sure that they all look like they were coming from the same place yeah. in the same world. And what's fun about something like this is like the experimentation and the play in it. Yeah. That is so, <laughs> it's, it's so much about what animation is about, you know, animation yeah. is about play and it's about being creative and like taking a story and twisting it and finding new ways to tell it visually. And, and, and it's actually not like a, a new idea i think um it's definitely one of those things that's integrated in like the part uh, a part of experimentational animation that has been around for a minute and a lot of the best animation really comes from that place because you're not limited to like this uniformity yeah there's not just one feel all mm-hmm. across like shrek retold the first Four minutes, I feel, will give you a definitely a different feel of <laughs> yeah. everything. I mean, this is for sure crazy. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. not, <laughs> this yeah, is a, it's, all it's off the top. <laughs> like, it's 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 funky. You know, it's got a lot of different styles, <laughs> but it looks like people had fun, and I think that's what they were trying yeah. to do. I think what they were trying to say was, let's go back to fun. Like, let's go back to making something that's just like play. You know, and and like we could still tell a story. We could still yeah. we could still pull it off. You know, like, and I think what's interesting is that so the Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I don't know if you've heard of yes. of that film. It's yes. coming out soon. Shout out to my yeah. Shout yes. out. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he, so that film. What I'm seeing in the trailer already is that there is experimentation in that. There is there is a yes. sense of play with the characters, with the styles, you know. And I think that what's exciting about animation right now is that there are so many different ways to make animation that people are seeing that just like that sort of computer um, style that we've had for a while um, is is like we're kind of outgrowing that like there's new ways of doing it there's new technologies like let's not be afraid of mixing styles and and um going back to like playing with with like how we do tell these stories you know um so i i'm excited about what's going on with animation you know Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah no yeah i'm just thinking about like the different approaches to Mm -hmm. the scenes because they're because some of these scenes will give you like uh, background of like oh okay I guess this is how they must have approached the person because mm-hmm. there's this one scene where a person is just like okay scene 28 <laughs> yeah. Shrek enters yeah. this and this yeah. <laughs> it's just like they're reading from the, the script <laughs> and I love it because it's just like yeah. okay if you were assigned this scene you learned that scene <laughs> it's like the, the most literal thing <laughs> it's like because <laughs> it's so beautiful I was just like okay well 
now I know maybe they were just the silence. <laughs> this is their attitude to that scene. <laughs> just like, I'm going to read it. Uh, but no, yeah. And then there was a mix of like live action uh-huh. and like, uh-huh. claymation and computer animation 2D. Oh, it was just. Uh, there's an anime one mm-hmm. also. I like that. That was uh, my favorite one. Scene. That one's so mm-hmm. cool. That person actually does a lot of SpongeBob. Oh, really? Scenes. Yeah, they're very intense. <laughs> like kind of maybe too intense, mm-hmm. but uh, for the whole anime fighting style mm-hmm. animation, it's very like that artist is really dope, and they were invited to do that Shrek one, and I think they also invited like uh, IG people or YouTube mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. But would you ever participate in one of those? Yeah, that would look. That looks like fun. <laughs> I would totally be down yeah, to do something Shrek like too. that. Yeah, I I don't know about Shrek <laughs> too. <laughs> Shrek is its own really intense movie, so it's like <laughs> I don't know about Shrek, but but yeah. if, if like I was down uh, for whatever the story was, like if I was down the story, yeah. then I'd I yeah I'd, I would do it because it's fun, you know. It's again, it's like getting back into into play mode. So, um, but yeah, I I nice. super like the um that anime style one. That was cool. <laughs> That yeah. one's super cool. Highly recommend mm-hmm. y'all watch this if you have an hour and a half <laughs> where you know you're not going to do anything. Just watch it. <laughs> but if you haven't watched Shrek, maybe don't watch it. I think it's one of those that you've got to have watched Shrek. Because mm-hmm. there, there are scenes that are so twisted that sometimes I'm like, wait. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think I've seen <laughs> Shrek once. So I was yeah. like a little lost in some places, but it didn't really matter because it was fun. It was yeah. just like. Because you know it's just all Yeah, it's just also. entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, slowly wrapping okay. things up. Are there any future prospects or projects that you are currently working on? Where do you see Caracol going? Mm-hmm. I know you're you're applying to other places right yeah. now. It's for film fests for it. But, you know, what do you see 2019 holding oh. for you, possibly? Uh, good question. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> also exciting just because i don't know (laughs) but but no that's very mm -hmm. true (laughs) um well in terms of caracol we're definitely still in the film festival circuit just starting really um in that circuit so um it'll be cool to be around um other creators and other crowds and children's festivals especially I, i really like kids feedback on the film so far it's been like my favorite um, sort of feedback which nice. is really cool um so so there's that i also there's you know possibility of of taking it and creating a series with it you know is um anais and tiku and costa rica and i think there's yeah. enough there to be able to create some shorts um yes. which is a, a fun possibility i'm also in the middle of creating and right sort of like thinking about an animated episodic with Aurora Guerrero, who was the story editor. Mm-hmm. And it's about, it's an animated sci-fi, supernatural sort of thing. Ooh. And it's about Ooh. four queer greasers that die. Oh, uh-huh. nice. Plot <laughs> uh, <that> twist. That <laughs> died in 1952. And they're tasked with coming Ooh. back into the present day and helping family members in crisis. So, wow. um. There's a, wow, there's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. 50s, greasers, queer, yeah. present. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but 
it's so cool it's just so fun to think about this world think about like supernatural sci-fi animation and like again like let, letting go of expectations and thinking about like what can we just create like that's fun and cool and like has a message you know and so um, we've been in the middle of, of creating that for uh, a, a few months now so we'll see what what happens with it um i would love to to create it you know so that's something we're all i'm also working on and you know just continuing i'm always i always have some sort of little story in my head i might just do like a little short to create something for myself and see what it what it looks like that's pretty dope actually i know that the how long do the, the film festival circuits usually go for it's usually like a year cycle it could be a little longer yeah, yeah because it's just sort of starting here starting to hear back from some f festivals and have you ever submitted to la, la orchata zine no i, I haven't so they're a really dope zine that features Central American content creators, animators, illustrators, writers. And so they, they like, shout out, you know, mini plug to them also. <laughs> but um, they do, like, a, a seasonal, like, issue. Um, so next time they, they have, like, submissions, they're open for submissions, I'll, I'll go ahead and forward that to you. Because I think that would be a pretty dope thing of, like, a, a side project when you have time. Of, like, hey, I'd find this dope to see. Yeah. Submit. I'm super down. Yeah, Lao Chapa yeah. Zine, though. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, I'm mean, like, you went to Santa Cruz. You, you know about oh, zines. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I love zines. Y'all started yeah, that. It's, it's such a big part of how, like, our art has maintained and have and found a platform, yeah. you know? So, I love zines. Yes. And now, any advice? <laughs> I know that you probably get this a lot, but, like, advice for people who are just starting out in their field or who don't know where to go after getting their degree or like don't know what to do with themselves at this moment any advice or like anything that gets you through a tough day where you have you know a block it's i think it's most important for me to remember why i'm doing this and mm -hmm. sometimes i get sidetracked and forget because it's you know you get rejected or you don't get a job you wanted or you're struggling to make ends meet I think just remembering that and remember to always come back to that. Even if you do have to take that other job, even if you have to hustle, just prioritize your vision and your dream and what you were meant to create in this world. If you love it, if you really love it, you know it feels right and you know that it's what you're meant to do and it's like your passion, right? And for me, it's what I love doing why i like to wake up and create and what what i want to give to this world and i i think it evolves and to stay sort of open to what that evolves into um but always just sort of check in with yourself and and see am i still aligned with my message am i still aligned with what i want and it's a rough road but as long as we're doing what we love it's always encouraging to go back to it and be re-inspired sometimes take a break and and go back to what you love and mm -hmm. no yeah thank you for that any plugs anything you want to shout out mention this is your your time Ooh, <laughs> go plug. for it yeah you can plug anything yeah um, go for it <laughs> well well my my website is pamelachavez.com and you can always check out what i'm doing i'm gonna put it in the show notes also so y'all can find cool. it there uh and my <laughs> my instagram is also pamela chavez so I think it's yeah. Pamela Maria Chavez because there's like hello Pamela Chavez. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when you got to use your full name, <laughs> your your mom's. I last know. Name too. <laughs> I know that's taken too. 
<laughs> and then you got then you gotta start getting suspicious because you're like, wow, there's like oh, six no, names yeah. and they're all being used. Mm. I don't know <laughs> who is this. Mm. <laughs> no, mm. Just kidding. Okay then. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for the platform and the really cool conversation. Um, I I had fun, so thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, Pamela. I am still shook that you are in Glendale. <laughs> I, I was like oh yeah she's in the bay area you know like uh, i hope she's okay you know air pollution oh. Oh, you know and then you're in la like, <laughs> like uh, you're not okay with we're all like neighbors like, <laughs> yeah no but that's super dope and i really hope we get the opportunity to hang soon yeah because you sound really oh. dope and i love hearing you talk about costa rica centroamerica and just all that you do because you've lived an interesting life to like put it in the simplest <laughs> terms thank but, you no yeah i definitely want yeah to let's you. link up i'm down maybe yes, we could watch a movie an animation together or something yeah, yeah. oh that would be dope i'd be down to check out that persepolis oh cool yeah i haven't watched mentioned. it in a minute yes i'd be super down mm-hmm. yes cool yay okay cool that's all happening. right <laughs> sorry everybody <laughs> thank you thank y'all for listening yeah no yeah it's just like sorry y'all we gotta go now <laughs> No, but thank you so much, Pamela, again. Y'all can definitely find Pamela on her website or on her IG. You can check out Caracol Cruzando and her other short films. We're going to keep rooting for you. Keep looking out for everything that you're doing. Hope this next year of film festivals goes great. Definitely check it out, y'all. Thank you.